Welcome to another episode of Football 360. I'm your host, Kareem Timbers. Very excited to join you here for another week. I was going to start off the show with the breaking news. If you haven't heard, today, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers release Antonio Brown. Um, obviously, the last couple of days in social media, as it's been going very viral with you know Antonio Brown, uh, uh, abrupt departure from the New York Jets game over the weekend leaving in the third quarter, taking off his shoulder pads, uh, shirt, uh, running out of the tunnel. And right away on social media, everybody went to, you know, you know, speculation, you know, and, and criticizing Antonio Brown. Obviously, we, we know the last few years have been kind of a roller coaster ride for him uh, with several um, issues um, on and off the field, mental health, uh, which is something that we shouldn't take lightly. Okay, mental health is a a very uh, severe uh, challenge that many people deal with, and we we need to acknowledge that. But aside from that, we're quick to jump to conclusions where we hear one-sided things, okay, from the coaching staff, um, obviously the way he he left the football field on this, this past Sunday is not the right way to do it. Okay, regardless of what was said, uh, there's a better way to handle that. But with that being said, Antonio Brown hit social media telling his side of the story. Okay, there's always two sides to every story. All right. And being a former uh, Division I athlete, having played at a high level in college, post-college, there's other side to the business where a lot of times, um, you know, we're, we're as as athletes, you, you play injured, you play or you play hurt. But when you're injured, that that's different. And you can't compete at your at your best level. Okay, um, you know, for example, I mean, I played my junior year of college with torn ligaments in both of my shoulders, a fracture bone in my left shoulder, and continue to play until I couldn't play anymore. All right, uh, Antonio Brown's been dealing with a pretty severe ankle injury for a few weeks now, um, and. You know, sometimes the coaches or the training staff, they say, hey, you know, let's get this guy a, uh, a shot to get him out in the field or a quarter zone shot or something, or some other uh, da- uh, dangerous painkiller to get these players to play. Uh, but at the end of the day, it might not be in the best interest of the player that may also have a lingering injury be more severe. OK, so as, as the story goes, uh, Antonio Brown was on the sideline. Uh, was cleared to play by the medical staff, but clearly was not ready to play, was not healthy enough to play. Bruce Aarons, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, said, hey, uh, you know, you're up, get out on the field. Coach, I can't go. And, you know, from Antonio Brown's words was, coach, get him look like, like you're, you're basically you're fired. And which he abruptly left, left on the sideline. But then he posts, uh, you know, text messages between him and Bruce Aarons. So Bruce Aarons was definitely aware of how severe uh, the injury was uh, for Antonio Brown. Okay, so there is two sides to every story. Then there is a fine line between what's ethical and what's unethical. And more often than not, you play at a very high level. Other Division One athletes or professional athletes can attest to that, for whether it be football or their particular sport, where they're, all, they're oftentimes where the best interest of the athlete is not kept in mind. And players are forced to play um, 
you know, through a severe injury. Give you another example outside of football. Remember the Kevin Durant situation with Golden State Warriors. Durant knew his Achilles was, was in bad shape. And he felt he was forced to play in that championship game. And then what happened? He tore his Achilles, which caused him about a year and a half out of basketball and rehab before he signed with the Brooklyn Nets. Okay. So, you know, it's two sides to every story. Antonio Brown was wrong the way he handled it, but the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are wrong in enforcing uh, him to try to play when he was not healthy enough to play, which in, in turn further jeopardized his health. All right. So with that being said, uh, you know, I hope uh, you know, AAB uh, get, gets his, he's continuing to get his mental health together. I hope he gets his, his act together. Okay, and, and, and I'm, I'm sure we haven't seen the last of Antonio Brown, maybe in Tampa Bay, but I believe another NFL team would pick him up next year. He's still a very uh, valuable uh, asset to any football team. He can still play at a high level. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens with that. Okay, and in other news, um, obviously a lot, a lot of big milestones this past week in the NFL season. We had... T.J. Watt break the franchise record for Pittsburgh Steelers for sacks in a season, surpassing uh, Harrison, okay, in sacks. He now has 21 and a half sacks at four sacks against uh, Baker Mayfield this past weekend, okay, this past Monday, four sacks in that game, and he's a sack away from tying the record set by Michael Strahan of 22 and a half sacks. I believe he'll break that sack record uh, this week and also missing two games on the season um, against the Baltimore Ravens. He should break that sack record. So be on the lookout for that. We also had um, Robert Quinn, the Chicago Bears, legendary Chicago Bears. Robert Quinn broke a sack record that's been held by NFL Hall of Famer Richard Dent since 1984 for 17 sacks, 17 and a half sacks in the season. Robert Quinn got 18 sacks. And Robert Quinn did it without Khalil Mack, who's pretty much been hurt all year, and out Akeem Hicks, two other all-pro guys on that defensive line. Okay. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of critics and a lot of Bear fans, including myself, were, were, were waiting to see what, what Robert Quinn was going to do because he didn't really produce too much last season, but he showed up and showed out. So Robert Quinn deserves the accolades that he receives, and the Bears should pay him handsomely for what, what he did this year. He was only really one of the only bright spots on that Bears defense this season. All right. And in turn, we're going to switch gears here to, uh, I talked about this matchup last week, the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Kansas City Chiefs. We had uh, Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes go toe-to-toe. Uh, Joe Burrow becomes the first quarterback in NFL history to pass for 400 yards and back-to-back games with four touchdowns and zero interceptions. So 400 yards, four touchdowns and zero interceptions in back-to-back games. First quarterback in NFL history to do it. And he looked like Joe Burrow at LSU, okay? Play with a little, play with swagger. And I told you him and Jamar Chase, these guys are one-two punch to be looking out for um, from, for years to come, as I stated. And the game was as advertised, all right? So... Joe Burrow, man, hey, <laughs> he's balling. 
He's balling. I think he's definitely going to win NFL Comeback Player of the Year. Uh, another guy would be in that category would be Dak Prescott. But Joe Burrow has played lights out. The Bengals win their division, and they're going to the playoffs. Okay, and that leads me right into the next guy. Uh, Jamar Chase, college teammate of Joe Burrow, set a Bengals record for receiving yards in a game. Okay, or they believe with 266 yards receiving, surpassing Chad Johnson in that category. Also um, set a NFL rookie receiving record, surpassing his college teammate, okay, Justin Jefferson of the Minnesota Vikings, all right, with over 1,400 yards receiving. All right, and he's set to set a single-season record for receiving yards in a season held by Chad Johnson, which he should break this week as well. All right, so be on the lookout for that. Jamar Chase is uh, my front runner right now for league in for rookie of the year. Okay, and switching over, switching gears. Okay, I'm gonna talk about my uh, fellow Wisconsin Badger, Jonathan Taylor. Jonathan Taylor's a grown man. I've been telling you about this guy. Uh, for quite some time now, goes about his business the right way, um, set a new Colts franchise record for rushing yards and touchdowns in the season with over 1,700 rushing yards on the season, 20 touchdowns. He leads the NFL in rushing yards, rushing attempts, uh, yards from scrimmage. All right. And he's the youngest player in NFL history at 22 years old to do it. All right. And we, we talk about the great Colts running backs, Edron James. Marshall Falk, Eric Dickerson, and this guy is already an elite company. Um, the Colts have to win this weekend. They have to beat the Jacksonville Jaguars in order to make the playoffs. I think Jonathan Taylor is going to have another monster game. If he has 200 plus yards rushing, I think he would be the front, he would be our, our uh, NFL MVP for this year. All right, so be on the lookout for that. Also, we had uh, rookie rookie tight end Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts had over a thousand yards receiving. I talked about Kyle Pitts quite a bit last on my last season of the podcast when he was at the University of Florida. Had over that has over a thousand yards receiving as a tight end. Uh, first tight end with over a thousand yards receiving as a rookie since Mike Dicka, Chicago Bear legend in 1961. Okay, so he has a chance to break Mike Dicka, Mike Dicka's record for receiving yards. For a tight end in the rookie season going into last game of the season. So please be on the lookout for that. Then we have uh, Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup has, just goes about his business the right way. LA Rams receiver um, set a new franchise record for receiving yards in the season, surpassing NFL Hall of Fame receiver Isaac Bruce. He has an opportunity to break the receptions record by Michael Thomas and receiving yards record in the season by Calvin Johnson going into the last game of the season so we'll, we'll see we'll see what happens there so it's a lot of records records are meant to be broken there are a lot of records that are probably going to uh be broken this weekend in that regard you have the other young man uh Diggs DB for the Dallas Cowboys second year uh defensive back Stephon Diggs brother who has 11 interceptions on the season those are the most interceptions in the NFL season since 1981, okay? So it's been a long time. Um, he has a chance if he gets three interceptions this last game of the season to tie the legendary Dick Knight train lane, the Detroit Lions, okay? Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens with that. So a lot of, lot of records there, a lot of milestones 
with some key NFL games going into the last week of the season with playoff implications. All right. So switching over to uh, college, college bowl games last week. You got a chance to watch some of the college bowl games right around the new year, from December 30th to the new year, the college football playoffs. Uh, games were, were as advertised. A lot, a lot of great matchups. Um, I honestly believe the NCAA should expand the playoff from four teams to like six to eight teams. If you watch that Rose Bowl game, Utah played tough against Ohio State once their quarterback went out. Uh, young uh, freshman quarterback C.J. Stroud just had a monster game. Set all types of records in the Rose Bowl and brought Ohio State back to win a thrilling victory over Utah. All right. Um, obviously, I told you Michigan was going to get beat up by Georgia. Georgia physically dominated them. Um, and then you also had Alabama just run the ball down Cincinnati's throat. Okay. Just old school football. Just just took their will. All right. So, as I stated, it was going to be a uh, national championship matchup, which uh, we'll get to that in a second. But my bowl uh, predictions last week, I believe I was 11-3 and three on my predictions. Now leading to the national title game. This upcoming Monday, national title matchup, you have number one, Alabama versus number three, Georgia. I had Georgia winning the game initially because I thought this was Georgia's year. Um, But, you know, I I personally like Georgia, but I can't I can't bet against Nick Saban to win his coach in college football history Um, with my national championship win this upcoming Monday would now um, push his national titles to eight, which would be two over the great legendary Paul Bear Bryant of Alabama. So I'll be on the lookout for that. And then Bryce Young, man, this young man is lights out. He's a Heisman Trophy winner, as you well know. But I have I've never seen a college quarterback make some of the throws he's made with pinpoint accuracy. I recall watching the, the Georgia SC title game a couple of weeks ago. He put a ball between, right between the ref's head and two defenders in a tight uh, receiver window. Receiver caught the ball. He's the X factor. Bryce Young's the X factor. He's the reason why Alabama will win the national championship. All right. So please tune in this weekend. A lot of key NFL matchups. National championship on Monday. Uh, next week, I'll discuss some key NFL playoff matchups. I appreciate you tuning in. Until next time, I'm your host, Kareem Timbers, signing off at Football 360.